Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Welcome back to the show. We are watching the Eastern Conference Finals Game 5, Raptors and Bucks. That series tied at two games apiece. And right now, Toronto closing the gap. They were down by seven a little bit ago. One second left in the second quarter. Milwaukee, a three-point lead, 49-46. to And we'll see what happens here. And there will not be a shot um, in that final uh, minute or so. So they'll go to the locker room. Uh, home teams winning all five games in the series so far. And so, regardless, it's going to go back to Toronto after this. But I'm, Look, I don't really have a rooting interest in this series, but I really want to see Giannis in the finals against uh, Golden State. Because I think the Bucks have that core that they're going to be the team to beat in the East for the foreseeable future, and they're just going to build around him. I want to see him on that big stage because still a lot of the, the casual NBA fans that don't tune in until the NBA Finals, they, they might have never seen, if you can believe this or not, they might have never seen Giannis play. A lot of America hasn't, and they finally would. So that's kind of what I'm rooting for here. Let's bring in Brian Lazar of TigerBaits.com as LSU, the improbable win earlier today, just continuing their Hoover magic, although they could have used it at about 3 a.m. this morning. Uh, Brian, how tired are you, my man? Uh, pretty tired. <laughs> pretty tired. <laughs> we all uh, are, dude. We all are. Um, well, what you, what you think of this ending today? I mean, you had the, the wild pitch and the throwing air, two-run score, and LSU walks it off. Well, really, that's a play that uh, it can't happen. I mean, I've seen that play happen on numerous occasions where you have, a, you know, runners on second and third, and there's a – a wild pitch, and it gets away from the catcher. Now, what was different there is the catcher blocked the ball at first, and then sort of knocked it away. And that's what was that was different. But I've seen that before, where uh, you know, wild pitch ball gets away, and then the the catcher tries to, or whoever in this case the catcher didn't retrieve the ball, pitcher didn't, and, and he tr- tries to throw the ball back to the plate. And when he does, he throws the ball away, and the second runner scores, just like what happened today for LSU. You know, that's really when you look at it. LSU probably should have won last night's game and, and lost today's game. So they're uh, not in the same boat. They would have been in a better situation if they had won last night. And uh, because if they would have won last night, then they wouldn't have, uh, you know, they would have been in the winner's bracket final today. But, uh, look, I, I, I said before the tournament started, I thought LSU to assure itself of a regional host spot uh, I felt that LSU had to get to the semifinals on Saturday. And uh, now they're in the position where, uh, you know, they play tomorrow night, the loser of tonight's Mississippi State-Vanderbilt game. And, you know, if they win that game tomorrow night, I, I definitely think LSU will be a host. If they lose it tomorrow night, 
they're going to be on that regional hose bubble through the uh, through the weekend. Yeah, that was going to be my next question. So you think it's kind of imperative that they win this game tomorrow evening? It's going to be about six thirty or seven o'clock when first pitch happens over in Hoover. And it seemed like Bobby Aber when I was chatting with him briefly before my show, Brian, he thought that that yeah, maybe the same thing because UCSB over there um, has the eyes of the committee most likely. Yeah, I think there's a bunch of teams. You know, there's three or four teams, maybe five, fighting for those last three spots to to be a host. Uh, you know, what's hurting LSU, uh, you know, is that its overall record just isn't as good as some of these other teams. You know, the LSU's got – they won today, so that's their 36th win of the year. If they would have just – Two more wins right now. I'm going to say if they were at 38, uh, you know, I think they'd be okay. I think they'd solidly be in. So if you want to say that a couple of those midweek losses hurt, yes. What I really think is going to hurt LSU more, and when the con- when the committee discusses them, is that getting swept uh, three games at Texas, uh, a Texas team which ended up finishing last in the Big 12. So I think that those three losses uh, may be more of a negative for LSU on on its resume than, say, losing to a Southern or a McNeese or Northwestern State uh, during the midweek. Brian Lazar, TigerBait.com, is with us. Boy, how good was Landon Marceau today? The freshman had it going, six and two-thirds, no earned runs to give up the two after the air, five strikeouts. He's been really good at times this year and has a bright future for this program. Yeah, he's you know he he threw okay at the start of the year. Then he had the rough outing on the road against Texas, and then he was removed from the rotation. And then he got the injury and didn't throw for over a month. And uh, it's been a slow process coming back. But he threw well uh, last weekend in his start against Auburn, and he was even I think better today against Auburn. So, uh, yeah, you know, Marceau is somebody that uh, certainly can be in that weekend rotation for LSU for the next couple of years. Coming into the year, Brian, was there any possibility that you thought Josh Smith would be the best hitter on this team? Because he has been. Two more hits today, had a run, and an RBI. The dude's just been absolutely fantastic, especially since he's been reinserted at the top of that lineup. I said the one thing I thought about Josh Smith coming into this year you know I, I thought he'd be a good hitter I and I did think he was going to hit hit the long ball I thought he hit about 10, 10 home runs I thought he hit that double figure so I think he's at uh seven right now I think that's what he is for the year so I thought he'd have some power uh I, I think he's played well defensively though he's had a couple of rough the last I'm going to say week or so he's made some errors you know, certainly that throwing error today really hurt LSU. But, uh, you know, I, look, if you'd asked me who would have been LSU's leading hitter this year, I would have said Antoine DePlantis. And then if you'd asked me, okay, who's next, I would have said Josh Smith as, as at least the second-best hitter on this team. He's doing a great job setting the table. Eight home runs uh, for Josh Smith up top. Uh, who do they have left in the tank in, uh, in that rotation and in the bullpen because they've just burnt up so many guys the last couple of nights? And Well, really, I guess this is just today because they had these two games today if you count the one that went uh, past midnight last night. Yeah, they're going to have to. Uh, I'm sure it, you know it's going to be the major league route now where they're going to start – 
the uh, start and use an opener. But the only problem is I don't know who LSU would have available uh, because all of these guys have thrown a lot of innings. You know, let's go back uh, the first day against South Carolina. Devin Fontenot threw, uh, I think, three-plus innings. Uh, and then yesterday you get four innings by Beck and four innings by uh, Hess and then five innings by Hilliard. And then Peterson now, uh, he threw a couple innings the first day, didn't throw at all the second day, threw a couple innings today. So those are so all your bullpen guys, you know, have pitched, uh, you know, uh, substantial amounts. So I don't know how Paul Monero is going to go. Maybe he'll take somebody like Chase Costello and start him. Uh, I think it's just going to be a matter of asking the pitchers, okay, uh, who's able to uh, – who feels like uh, they can give them some innings tomorrow night. I don't think they're going to necessarily want anybody to throw, uh, you know, more than two. And I think that's what he, what Paul's probably hoping. He's probably hoping he's got five pitchers and say, I can give you a couple innings. And I, I really think, uh, you know, I think Fontenot will be okay for two innings tomorrow. Uh, but I, I don't know about Peterson. I, I'm going to say Peterson may give him be able to give him an inning or two. Uh, now Beck and Hilliard and Hess, I'm not sure about. But here's the Seth. Here's the thing: the pitching matchup's not going to be good tomorrow, no matter which team they play, because both Mississippi State and Vanderbilt did not use uh, either its number one or number two pitchers until today. Now, both Mississippi State and Bandy are using uh, their number one pitchers tonight, but that means both of them will have their number two pitchers ready to go tomorrow. So you're going to have LSU using bullpen guys against, uh, if they play either team, Mississippi State or Vanderbilt, both of them will have their number two starter who hasn't thrown an inning yet in the tournament. Yeah, so this brings up a point, Brian, that I was going to ask you about. Do you think the way the SEC tournament is structured – that you're having legitimately teams that are going to be top 16 seeds and regional hosts in the NCAA tournament. Some of them might have to play six games in six days heading into that regional only, what, four days later. Do you think the SEC needs to look at restructuring this? Because all these teams, if they want to have NCAA tournament success and regional success and more of it, maybe the, these teams need to save some of their arms. Because I don't know how it does these teams uh, any favors with that kind of schedule. Well, they first of all, they added the teams to the tournament because it would hurt them. Let's go back to 2011 when LSU uh, had a had a good RPI, an RPI in the mid 20s, went 13 and 17, but didn't make the SEC tournament at that time when it only had 10 teams, and that was used as the reason why they didn't get an NCAA bid because they said, well, you didn't even make your conference tournament. So the SEC said, well, let's expand our tournament to 12, and that'll take care of that so that's why they they did that and, and look let's look at the teams uh you know the four teams in this tournament that really aren't playing for anything vanderbilt georgia arkansas mississippi state all four of those you know certainly are in pretty good shapes to be in shape to be a, a national seed. well none of them are, are overtaxing their pitching uh 
Mississippi State uh, is using played a game last night where it was like a, they didn't use any one of the state didn't use any of its top three starters last night. So that means if they would play tonight and Friday and Saturday, well, that then you just have their one your one two and three starters going like they normally would. You know, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. So those teams, what they're doing, they're using their four starter or bullpen guys in the first game, in their first game they play. Vanderbilt did that. Uh, you know, Mississippi State did that. Arkansas uh, did that. And, and Georgia, none of, the, none of them use their number one pitchers until uh, today. Georgia didn't even use his number one pitcher today. So uh, I guess Arkansas was the only one I, Arkansas used its number one guy yesterday against Ole Miss, so they were the only ones that did that. So I don't think any of these teams are, are taxing their pitching staffs, uh, you know. And now the other teams, you know, like LSU, well, look, this LSU would much rather be playing in, in Baton Rouge next week than, say, going out to UCLA. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. you know, they're going to do what they have to do to, to win games. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, finally, Brian, uh, one basketball question here. They, uh, LSU basketball gets Trendon Watford, five-star guy, and he does bump the, the class ranking up from the, the 90s nationally into the 30s, but it's not the banner class here for Will Wade. But, but what do you know about Watford, and um, are you concerned at all about who this team has coming back and who they have coming in? Well, uh, Watford, you know, 6'9", post player. Uh, I, I know that I think that the, the people close to the program are thinking that Watford can step in and give them the same numbers that Naz Reed gave them last year. You know, 13, 14 points, six, seven rebounds a game, if not more than that. So I think that they believe that the presence of Watford, he's going to just slide into Naz Reed's spot. Now, we're waiting. You know, Javante Smart said he's coming back. So now you know of, okay, we got two definite starters. Smart is a starter. He's coming back. Uh, Watford is signed. He will start. So now you have two starters. Now you're waiting for the other three players who put their names in the draft, Skylar Mays, uh, Emmett Williams, and Marlon Taylor. If those three guys all come back, you know, those are your other three starters. I, you know, I think that, sure. that's going to be, that's going to be your starting five. And, and, where LSU is going to be, you know, the difference that the LSU for this team from this year to last year uh, is they're not going to have the big post presence defensively, which they have with Cavell Bigby Williams. You know, they don't have that guy yet. That, you know, if you want to look at a uh, Cortese Cooper, 6'9", J.C. transfer last year who was redshirted, I mean, he's right now the only guy they have that you could say, okay, he could sort of go in there and play the center position. But I, I think right now uh, you're talking about LSU going small and having Watford and Emmett Williams if he returns as your two starting post players. That's great information here. Brian Lazar, senior writer covering LSU baseball and much more for TigerBait.com. Be sure you follow him on Twitter at BLDoor. Brian, always appreciate the chats, man. Enjoy the rest of these games in Hoover. Thanks so much. Okay, thank you. See you later, Seth. You bet. We're going to take a break. When we come back, I want to talk about the All-NBA teams that were released earlier today. And in my mind, one of the biggest snubs for any of these postseason awards in any sport, 
frankly, that I can ever remember. And we're, we'll hear from that guy when we come back here on The Last Lap. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. 